We've been talking about each individual fruit of the Spirit. We've covered love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, and now we're going to talk about goodness. Because when you understand what goodness means, and it's simply God is good, and also this is the character of God, who He is. Once we come to an understanding of His character, we begin to walk in that fruit of the Spirit. His fruit never deviates. We need to kind of talk about that. His fruit never deviates. That's what faithfulness is. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So these fruits are set. Yes. Nothing ever changes. They've been set from the beginning. We have no understanding of that because He's always been and will always be. But it's goodness, His character. And He never deviates from that. So when it talks about love and joy and peace and long-suffering, He doesn't deviate. Exactly. And that's what's inside of each one of us as believers. And it was brought back to life. Our core was brought back to life through the born-again experience. And we received the Holy Spirit. What's in that Holy Spirit is the fruit of the Spirit from God, His character, His constitution. His nature. Yes. And we want that to manifest in our life. We're defining this so that people who don't know that God is good will begin to recognize. You know, and that's true. Because a lot of people that are Christians struggle with this, that God is good. Especially when they've been taught wrong that God placed this on me. Or will punish you if you do this and do that. Right. And that's not God. No. God does not deal with this. Based on our performance. Yes. Very good. It's not based upon our performance, because if it was, he would have annihilated us a long time ago. He would have said, that's enough, it's over with. That's right. But because of his unconditional love, his long-suffering, all those fruit, patience, goodness, he didn't annihilate us. He came for us, restored us. See, long-suffering with God, that's self-restraint, because he didn't destroy us. Amen. That lives within us, that long-suffering. Therefore, we should be long-suffering with our neighbors, with man. You know, could we say that we need to be long-suffering with ourselves sometimes? Because sometimes I just think, man, wish I'd quit messing up. <laughs> but, you know, it's, we just have to learn this awesome life that we now possess, that we have. You know, he says long-suffering with ourselves. That's, I don't know. That's self-restraint. Ooh. It is. Mm-hmm. And you develop that the more you grow in love. Right. You have that self-restraint. I'm thinking of God now. The circumstances of man's fallen nature, which would have tried his patience, wouldn't it? Absolutely. It tested his love. When, when test is mentioned in the Bible, the situation is testing your love. It's testing your joy. It's testing your peace. God is not doing that. The circumstances are, just like the circumstances with God and man, he was long-suffering. It tested his love. It tested his patience. It tested every fruit of the Spirit that is him. Mm. That's something to think about, isn't it? And because he is gentle and good and faithful and meek, he spared us. He understood wow. 
our condition. Yes. He understands that. And it talks about that in Genesis chapter 6. He knows man's condition. He understood Satan stole love from us. Yes. That's all this is. That helps us understand the people who aren't walking in the love of God. Yes. Because he did it for us. Yes. Wow. Why do you think he used the analogy? The Lord's just really pinging me right now. Go ahead. He used the analogy of when the people left, Jesus said, you were in bondage in Egypt. Yes. I brought you out of bondage. He said, I was long-suffering with you. I was patient. I was love. He always told the children of Israel to remember the people who are in bondage because you were once there as well. I think there's an analogy there for us today. The people who are in bondage that are not believers. People who are in bondage that are believers but are still carnally minded. We are to remember those who are in bondage. Why? Because you're demonstrating love. You're gem- demonstrating the peace, the joy, the long suffering. The fruit. Yes. He was always teaching the fruit, but we didn't recognize it. He's always teaching the fruit. People get this conception that there's a different God of the Old Testament versus the God of the New Testament. That is incorrect. You just define goodness. Thank he you. never changes. <laughs> He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. In the next fruit, we covered faithfulness. Let's cover meekness. Do you have a definition of that? Humble and patient. My goodness. Long-suffering. I mean, it's hard to separate these out. They, they work all together. intertwined. And meekness has to do with self-will. It is that temper of spirit in which we accept God's dealing with us as good. That God's dealing with with goodness, one of the fruit of the Spirit. And therefore, without disputing or resisting, that's where the self-will comes in. I'm not finished with the definition. He deals with us in goodness. Now, we need to accept that. We need to meditate upon that. We do not want to dispute that. We do not want to resist that goodness. The humble heart, which is the mind, does not fight against God. Does not fight against God. He does not fight against God in his mind. That means you have self-control. Your self-will is put to death. That's That's, why in Romans 6, when it talks about baptism... Your old body's been put to death. You're now a new creature in life. That's why Scripture also tells us to renew our mind. Yes. What did that say? It says the humble heart, which is the mind, does not fight against God. That'd be a bad place to get to if you're fighting with God in your mind. You are. Think about it. You, when you resist the fruit of the Spirit, you, yes. when you resist the leading of the Holy Spirit, you're fighting against God. You're struggling and contending with God. That's that spiritual warfare, isn't it, in our mind? Sure. And the more revelation we receive on the fruit of the Spirit, the less struggle there is. Jesus walked in that realm where he yielded himself to the Holy Spirit. Scripture even says we oppose ourselves. 
I guess that would be that struggle in our mind, wouldn't it? And meekness. I want to continue on with meekness here. Meekness and gentleness. It depends what version you're reading from, what translation. But it also goes on, and this was the Lord, and this is what was pointed out to me. The Lord was meek because he had the infinite resources of God, the Holy Spirit, and that's what we have inside us. Infinite resources of the Holy Spirit. And the resources are the fruit of the Spirit. Yeah. At his command, it says, at his command. Meekness is the opposite to self-assertion and self-interest. He denied self. It all has to do with will here with meekness. Is this making sense? Yes. I'm trying to grasp it. (laughs) Me too. I was thinking about that, how my mind is struggling to accept certain things, like forbearance, self-control. When we (laughs) learn to walk in that love of joy, peace, patience, and long-suffering, self-control, where our mind is in that realm, you're not struggling with God any longer. That's right. And Jesus never struggled because he walked in that realm. And that's what he was trying to teach us all the time, is walking in that realm. The realm of God is all of this fruit. It's huge. It's that knowing God that passes all understanding, that peace of God that passes all understanding. If it passes understanding, how can we understand it? <laughs> you understand it by the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, that's it. You can't do it in the natural. You can't do it as a carnal Christian that's in the why flesh. That's why it's foolishness to man until you are born again by that's the Spirit right. of God. We're going to shed some more light here because the last one here, the final one, is temperance. Temperance is self-control. Some translations use self-control instead of temperance, but temperance is self-control the various powers bestowed by God upon man. What are those powers? I'm thinking of the, uh, all the spiritual blessings we have in Christ. I'm thinking of the spiritual gifts, the fruit of the Spirit that lives within us. The gifts, the power, the blessings, it's all summed up in that one word, love. The love of God. This is the one I really meditated upon. Temperance is the controlling power of the will under the operation of the Holy Spirit of God. Controlling power of the will. This is how we now are able to walk in the Spirit, is because we're controlling our self-will. We're denying self in order to allow the Holy Spirit to function in our life. American Standard Version uses self-control as the word for temperance. Self-control. I have a scripture for that, for uh, temperance, self-control. And it's Philippians chapter 2. And you know, it also covers meekness in there as well. And I just want the listeners to meditate upon it. I want us to meditate upon it as well, Terry. I'm going to start with the first verse and read to verse 8. 
Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, comfort of love. Yeah. Edification, exhortation, or comfort. If any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy. That's talking about the fruits, isn't it? Yes. The fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. Fulfill my joy by becoming like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Terry, well, that's talking about several of the fruit here. Paul has done an excellent job here in defining this Lowliness this of mind. Yes. Let each of you look out, not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. And I'm reminded of John, was it chapter 15? Where Jesus says, I lay down my life for my friends. No greater love than to lay down your life for your friends. Yes. He's walking in the fruit of the Spirit. He demonstrates that. Paul's talking about this, that we are to do the same thing. Because in verse 5 it says this, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. This mindset, this understanding of the fruit of the Spirit of love. And through that love, all the other fruit begin to manifest in our life. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus who by being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. He denied self. He had that temperance. Do you see it there? That temperance of denying self-will. Right. And walking in the Spirit of God, doing what the Father wanted done. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. That's something to think about. This is what our walk should be. Jesus set the example for us. That we are to have the same mind that he has. And he's been telling us how to do that. Yes. All through the Gospels. So if you want to walk in the fruit of the Spirit, if you want the gifts of the Spirit to operate in your life, Jesus is the example for that. Yes. And this book of Philippians is awesome how it explains what to do, how to do these things. Uh, Paul's purpose here in 3 is explained that I may know him. Philippians 3.10 that I may know him. This Jesus you just described here in yes. chapter 2 and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death. That I may know him. I love the way the Amplified puts this. For my determined purpose is that's my determined purpose Mitch I'll speak this out in faith 
that I may know him, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly, that I may in that same way come to know the power outflowing from his resurrection, which it exerts over believers, and that I may so share his sufferings as to be continually transformed in spirit into his likeness to his death in the hope. <laughs> I just love those. My determined purpose is that I may know him. And so you flip over into chapter 4. And he tells us, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. You can do that through the love that's in you now. As that, that flows out, your yes. moderation becomes, the Lord is at hand. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace, next peace. verse, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, there shall you go. keep your hearts and minds through Jesus. Oh, This is how Jesus functioned. This is how we are to function. We're good. What we need to understand, and I'm going to Hebrews chapter 2, because this is a building block. Just what we talked about earlier, a building, stone upon stone, of understanding the fruit of the Spirit. And we're going to continue to build on what, how Jesus functioned in that realm, flowing in the fruit of the Spirit, walking in the Spirit. Therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for sins of the people. I'm in Hebrews chapter 2, that was verse 17. I'm going to read verse 18. This is the important one. Because there's a key word here I want to focus in on, two of them. For in that he himself has suffered, being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. He understood, that's, remember when we, I talked about understanding our condition? He understands our condition. He was tempted like we were. He overcame temptation, though. By walking in the Spirit, by fulfilling the law, by walking in love. And because this, he did it, we can. Yes. He suffered. You know what he suffered? He suffered in the mind of not allowing at any time to deviate from the fruit of the Spirit. From the love of God that was in him. Yes, he walked in that love. He walked in that joy. He walked in that peace. He walked in that long-suffering. He walked in that gentleness, meekness, kindness, temperance. Against such there is no law at the very end of that. <laughs> you fulfilled the law. <laughs> that's how he did it. This is how he had peace of mind. He walked in that love and understanding. He suffered like we did, knowing the temptations that were coming against him. All the time you read about that where the Pharisees and the scribes were all the time tempting him, trying to get him to deviate, to walk in the flesh and not in the spirit, where he would step out just for a moment from the walking in the fruit of the spirit 
and allow his self-will to take control, and he never did do that. I want to read that same verse again in the Amplify. Go ahead. That we just read. Sure. For because he himself, Jesus, in his humanity has suffered in being tempted, tested, and tried, he is able immediately to run to the cry of and assist and relieve those who are being tempted and tested and tried and who therefore are being exposed to suffering. He immediately, because of his love and his humanity and his understanding of us, comes to us. Comes to our aid, doesn't he? Yeah. It goes back to edification, <laughs> exhortation, and comfort. Yeah. That comfort, he comes alongside to aid us. Oh, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's how we can identify walking in the Spirit. Yeah. Very much so. And for, I'm on Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 and 16. And what Paul is doing is reemphasizing over again. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us, therefore, come boldly. This is what we can now do. Come boldly to the throne of grace, of God's love, of God's understanding, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. This is a loving God. It goes back to that word we were defining goodness. Yes. He's constant and steady. He doesn't change. He's a merciful, faithful, high God who loves us and sent his son to die on the cross for us so we might have this relationship with the Father. But sin had to be paid for, and Jesus paid for it by being obedient to the cross. And now, reading this verse again, 16 in the Amplified, let us then fearlessly and confidently and boldly draw near to the throne of grace, the throne of God's unmerited favor to us sinners. Isn't that awesome? We can boldly come into the throne room of God because of his love. And it's shed abroad in our hearts. And now we have the spirit of God in us. <laughs> and we can be overcomers. We're equipped. Yes. Oh, man. We are equipped, thoroughly equipped now. Yes. And we have to have an understanding of that equipping. I'm over here in Hebrews 12. I'm just keep going. Keep going because... Of I'm in Hebrews 12, <laughs> verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy... See the fruit here? Mm -hmm. Faith, joy, that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners. Not believers, sinners. sinners. Well, we're all sinners. Do you see the fruit of the Spirit here? Yes. It's For so him, obvious. in order to do this, he walked in love. He walked in joy. He walked in peace. He walked in forbearance. He walked in, in all the fruit in order to accomplish this. And that's what we're wanting to stress. In order for things to change in your life, you're going to have to begin to walk in the fruit of the Spirit. Yes, the love of God. And that starts with knowledge. 
That starts with seeking him through his word. You as, have to be in the word. As individuals. Yes. That's where it begins. It's all an inward change. Yes. God is love. First John 4, 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. By this love of God was manifested in us that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through him. I'm reminded of John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whomsoever would believe on him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's the love of God. And that love is walking in the fruit of the Spirit, having that understanding of who God is and our relationship we now have with him. Verse 11, 1 John 4. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. God is love. God is love. Thank you.